This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And a very good Monday morning as we welcome you along to the programme after what was a gorgeous weekend. We were only talking on Friday about what a miserable month the month of May has been. From a weather point of view, it's going to go down in the record books as probably one of the wettest uh, months on record and yet we had this gorgeous uh, weekend and there's lovely pictures in all of the papers today of uh, people basking in sunshine that was in the low 20s in most parts of the country. Glorious uh, sunshine, huge cloud crowds flocking to the beaches, to the lakes, anywhere where there was parks and uh, public areas, lots of families heading off for picnics and there's gorgeous pictures in all of the papers. But uh, let's make the most of it over the next couple of days because from midweek onwards, it's going to be more unsettled with a wetter weather uh, forecast. And talking of lovely photographs, can I just start the programme by saying uh, congratulations to Jewel Cork star Rena Buckley who got married at the weekend to Fremont player Paddy Collins. They were married in St Mary's Church in Bearings and there's just fabulous pictures in all of the papers today. And it was only a few weeks ago, a few months ago, we were talking with Rena. Was it in March for International Women's Day? Uh, she joined us on the programme and it seems uh, that there was plenty of smiles in the sunshine in Bearings on Saturday afternoon for the uh, wedding. The couple got a guard of honour for from Cork players, from members of Dunamore, Inniscarra and Fremont GA. AA clubs. Footballs and hurlies were in evidence on the special uh, day and uh, the happy couple were joined by socially distanced well-wishers including former uh, teammates and of course Rena Buckley is somebody who is in the history books and it'll be a long time I think before her record is uh, beaten. She had uh, by the time she retired from inter-county level she had amassed 18 senior All-Ireland medals. She had 11 for football, 7 for camogie and of course it's made her the most successful player in the history of the game so far for either male or uh, female. So congratulations to Rena and to Pawdy. What a beautiful, beautiful bride uh, she made. Now our phone lines are open. 1850 333 103. John Paul already taking your calls this morning. You can also text our WhatsApp today to 0862 103 103 and while I'm talking about the gorgeous pictures that are in the paper of people being out and about the other down what some would say was the downside to the good weather at the weekend was the number of people who gathered in large numbers in our cities and who congregated in the evening time to socially have some drinks with their friends and out of that is the threat of local lockdowns 
could be rolled out if the COVID-19 cases uh, spike. And this warning came from the Thornish, Leo Varadkar. He was concerned over the number of people that were gathering in Dublin, here in Cork, but it was in other cities as well right across the weekend. And of course, the big concerns are it's the spread of the Indian variant. We now have 128 confirmed cases of the Indian variant in Ireland up to uh, last night. And there are now fears of a repeat of the scenes of the large groups that were out drinking and partying over the weekend. There's fears with the bank holiday weekend next weekend. Will we see even more of that? The Thornish City of Radker said that since the third wave ended, the government and the public health experts have been concerned about the risk of a fourth wave. And now there's lots of talk. Could there be a fourth wave? With some people saying when they viewed the scenes at the weekend, it's not could there. Some are saying there will be a fourth uh, wave. So he expressed disappointment at the footage that he saw of the numbers of people who were congregating. But besides the number of people who were congregating, they weren't adhering to social distancing. And certainly any of the video footage I saw was people out enjoying themselves and nobody was wearing masks. In Cork City, 12 people were arrested for public order offences on Saturday. Gardaí had to dispense crowds on Kennedy Quay and also on the Grand Parade. That was on Saturday night. And then according to reports in the papers today, the Gardaí were back out again last night dispersing large crowds who'd gathered at certain parts of the uh, city centre, including, again, at Kennedy's Quay. There was also reports of large crowds near Princess Street in the city centre. And, of course, Dublin City, they possibly saw the largest uh, gathering. It was on South, the South William Street area, Stephen's Green area and the Temple Bar area. And there was actually four arrests on uh, Saturday. The Gardaí are urging the public to please adhere to the ongoing public health guidelines and they're asking people please don't gather in large crowds but I think all the attention went to Dublin was when the chief medical officer Tony Houlihan took to social media and expressed his shock that on Saturday night he had to go into town for something and he could not believe the enormous crowds he was witnessing I saw in his tweet on Saturday night he said it looked like some kind of a major open air party. And of course, when he tweeted about it, then lots of people jumping on board and people saying it's got to stop. It shouldn't be happening. But then others are coming out in defence of young people saying we have been hearing for so long that this summer is going to be an outdoor summer. People have been cooped up since Christmas. It was the first good weekend of the year. From a weather point of view, we're telling people to socialise outside. So what do you expect people to do? But Leah Varadkar, along with Tony Houlihan and Neffert, real concerns now that if we had those kind of crowds this weekend, what's it going to be like next weekend when we have the, the bank holiday? Leah Varadkar is saying if the weather is good next weekend, there's a risk then that we'll see repeat of the same uh, scenes. Now, he is saying that the responsibility obviously is on the Gardaí to enforce the law because certainly when Tony Houlihan started tweeting about it at the weekend, the number of people that were responding saying, well, where are the Gardaí? Why aren't the Gardaí out? Now, the Gardaí did go out and did break up uh, the crowds where people were saying that they left it uh, too late. Uh, Leo Varadkar then Looking at what had happened at the weekend, he was the one confirming that local lockdowns could happen 
and that they could be an option that the government could look at. But he did then go on to talk about that we've we've done them before in the past. We certainly last year had some local lockdowns. I remember, remember around Kildare in the Midlands, there was local lockdowns. And he made the point that some of them work, but others don't. And he just, you know, he's making the point that because the country is so small, people travel so much within Ireland that local lockdowns probably aren't as effective as, say, they might be in other uh, countries. Uh, now, meeting outdoors, he accepts that it is being encouraged, but the Thonish just said rules around social distancing and meeting in groups of no more than three three households still apply. And he went on to say that the guard, they do have the powers to arrest people. And as I mentioned, there was 12 people arrested for public order here in Cork. And there was three people arrested in uh, Dublin. Neil Varadka said that from the 7th of June, which is this day week, pubs and restaurants will be able to open outdoors so social gatherings can happen in a more organised manner. And some people are saying that maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to open up the pubs, even if it's for outdoor drinking. Do we need to do that earlier? Do we need to do it in advance of the bank holiday weekend? Because we're going to have Friday, Saturday and Sunday of the bank holiday weekend before the pubs and restaurants are allowed to open outdoor. They're not allowed to open until the bank holiday uh, Monday. And uh, Luke O'Neill, the Trinity College Dublin uh, professor, who normally is is the one that we always look to because he's always uh, so positive. He did come out and say, look, gatherings in large crowds, even if they're outdoors, he said they definitely still pose uh, a threat. You're not... There isn't as high a risk outside, but he said when you get large groups together then you are going to have a spread of the disease. He says, we know that the virus spreads in crowds. That's the bottom line. The bigger the crowd, the longer the time they're together, the more the risk of the virus spreading. And I suppose we add to it that we've got the Indian variant in this country that we didn't have before. And we know from other countries how contagious the Indian variant is. I mean, when we're outside, you're hoping that, you know, there isn't the chance of you picking it up as much. But if it's the Indian variant and it is more contagious, are you then, is there a higher chance if you're close enough to people, even outside, that you could uh, pick it up? And Julie in Bishopstown has been on to us already this morning to say she was driving along the Quays on Saturday evening. She was coming back from East Cork and she says, while there was large, large crowds on the Quays, she thought it was a very good atmosphere. She said at the end of the day, it was a nice sunny evening with with outdoor areas closed and everybody told to socialise outside. She said, what do authorities expect people to do? She's one of the ones saying that they should bring forward the opening of the bars because at least if we'd had the bars open at the weekend, people would have been out and about in beer gardens and it would have been you know, much more organised and much more contained rather than everybody all together in one area. John and Mallow says, I know the health authorities are worried and Tony Houlihan is just doing his job, but I do feel like this finger pointing and saying people are wrong for going out is not going to help matters. Pat in from Moy says, the common denominator for all of this, all of the time, are the off-licences. I have been complaining from the start of the pandemic. I feel off-licences should be delivery only to the home. But then you're encouraging house parties by doing that, Pat. Anyway, we have a bank holiday coming up and we will have all this all over again. Mark my words, we'll be talking about this again next Monday. The main factor in all of this at the end of the day is alcohol. I don't mind people gathering if social distancing is going on. 
but that doesn't happen once drink takes off. And then Tommy in Douglas to 1850 333 103 says thanks to the council staff who were out this morning and yesterday cleaning up across the city. I saw photographs and actually they're making some of the papers today of how Dublin looked Sunday morning after Saturday night and it was absolutely uh, disgraceful. And actually I saw a Green Party TD Nasa Horgan, she's actually making a similar point to the point that was made there by who was saying about the, the was it John and Mala was saying about the finger uh, wagging going on uh, by Tony uh, Houlihan. She says that Tony Houlihan coming out and pointing the finger at people gathering in large crowds at the weekend, she says it d- d- doesn't take into account that local authorities she feels are failing to adequately provide outdoor spaces for young people. She it was she says that she takes on board Tony Houlihan's concerns and she says it is uh, valid to verbalise those concerns but, and to tell the people you're worried. But she said, wagging your finger at people, telling them you're being very naughty here now. You shouldn't all be gathering outside. She says it doesn't recognise the failure of local authorities to provide these public spaces. Businesses and members of the public yesterday expressed dismay at the public areas shrewn with the litter. This now is in in Dublin, but listening to Tony there in Douglas, it's the same in Cork. All the drinks containers were all left behind. I mean, it was a gorgeous weekend and the poor old council workers were out in huge numbers in all of the major cities where large groups congregated because people went out and they had fun but nobody thought to bring their rubbish home uh, with them. Nessa Haran of the Greens called for more pedestrianised streets and now obviously she's talking about Dublin in particular because she said there's tens of thousands of people in Dublin who don't have a back garden so when we're telling people to socialise outside in their gardens if you're living in an apartment you don't have a garden to socialise in so she said what are people expected to do and she's pointing the finger blame rather at the government. She's saying it's the local authorities and they should be facilitating public spaces so that you don't end up with scenes like we had at the weekend of every, everybody congregating onto uh, particular uh, streets. Um, and she has also says Ireland shouldn't rule out the local circuit breaker lockdowns and she's in particular worried about the Indian strain of the variant. So your thoughts on what went on at the weekend. Can you see it from the side of the people who have been cooped up and haven't been able to get out and about and to meet their friends? Many people haven't met up perhaps since Christmas. It was the first good weekend from for our summer for this year. We've had a miserable month of May. People want to go out. They want to enjoy themselves. They want to have a, a few drinks were they right to do that? We're hearing from the government we need to socialise outside. Are you with Tony Houlihan on this one in saying, hang on now, folks, we are not out of the woods yet. Uh, we have, we don't even have 50% of our people vaccinated yet. I think we're up to now 50% of people have received a first jab. But we know with the Indian variant, you need to get the second jab to make sure that you are fully protected. Nobody but nobody wants us to go back into a fourth lockdown. Hi Patricia, some of your texts coming in. If the government is so concerned, why are they forging ahead with the opening up of the country? I appreciate that the economy needs boosting, but at what cost? Open the pubs. 
give people the opportunity to mix in a more controlled environment. That is the answer. Hi Patricia, as regards the crowds out socialising, it was all young people. Someone else says, hi, would the Gardaí not have gone out early to those areas where they knew they would be congregating and they could have stopped it from happening? Eddie says, it's the parents are to blame, they're not controlling their children. Eddie, look, I don't think the people that wrote socialising at the weekend were under the age of uh, 18. Anyway, Eddie feels parents need to be controlling their kids and Michael says everybody is locked down no wonder people wanted to get out and enjoy the fresh air the threats of a fourth lockdown will only make people angry and then some of your whatsapps in hi Patricia I'm in my 50s and I have had my first vaccine so far I would gladly have waited and let the younger people be vaccinated first I'm doing nothing any differently since the first lockdown anyway at least if the younger people were dumb it would be less of a worry with regards to those big groups meeting uh, up. I'd be interested on how others would feel about that. Thank you for that uh, text. Would people have for given up their vaccine to let younger people have the vaccine instead? And should we be looking at vaccinating the younger people because they are the ones who are most likely to go out and to congregate? And Catherine says, Hi Patricia, it's so selfish on the rest of the people doing everything in their power to stay safe. And then young people having house parties are heading out and gathering as they did at the weekend. We will be in lockdown all over again. If we are, it'll be down to those idiots. They have no respect for their families and they're bringing the virus closer to home. It's not only Dublin either, says uh, Catherine. 1850 333 103. And then just want to go to uh, an, a text that came in and a kind of this this is kind of summing up. This is from Nicola. Thank you, Nicola. It's kind of lengthy WhatsApp. This is kind of summing up what a number of people in their 60s are saying. These are people who got AstraZeneca and then have a wait. You have to wait three months for the second and AstraZeneca. Nicola says, hi, Patricia. I'm normally a very positive person. I can find a positive in most things. But from being so relieved a fortnight ago at getting my first vaccination to having a moment at the weekend where I just wanted to cry in despair. The over 70s are fully vaccinated. That's absolutely great. The under 60s seem to be getting either Johnson & Johnson or Pfizer. So that means they'll be fully vaccinated within four weeks of their first dose. But the people in the age group 60 to 69 have in the main been given AstraZeneca and have not even all received their first dose yet. They then have to wait 12 weeks. They previously was 16 weeks to get their second dose. My husband, myself and both my brother-in-laws are between 62 and 69. I myself have a faulty heart valve. I suffer from asthma, high blood pressure and I'm classed as obese. Now, I know that's my own fault, but it's still another risk factor. My husband has been back giving EDT and pre-test driving lessons to essential workers and he's been doing that since the 11th of May. He couldn't keep making his customers wait while we were waiting to get vaccinated. These young people are in the main aged between 17 and 22, none over 35, and almost every one of them are fully vaccinated. Most of the parents are fully vaccinated too. It seems to me that there's a bit of a lottery going on with regards to who got which vaccine and when. These essential workers are not necessarily frontline health workers. Many vaccines have been given out to people who I feel are not in priority groups and were in their own words lucky to get it. I know that in the UK 
they are now giving AstraZeneca second doses eight weeks after the first. I wonder if your brilliant team could put pressure on the powers that be to bring forward the second dose for particularly those aged 60 to 69. I don't want to be put in front of more medically vulnerable people, but I do want everyone to be treated equally and to get their vaccine when it is due. It should never be based on who you know or luck. I miss my family so much. Thanking you. And that's from Nicola. And there's a lot of other people who, who have received AstraZeneca who are really in a kind of a bit of a panic because they're hearing what's happening in the UK and the fact of the Indian strain and the Indian strain is here and that to be absolutely sure that you're protected against the Indian variant you need to have your second vaccine with people saying I'm not going to get a second vaccine until August or even into September and then you have to wait two weeks to be fully vaccinated. Uh, So as I say Nicholas WhatsApp there really summing up what a lot of other people are saying. Your calls and comments welcomed 1850 You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Jean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, hair salon owners are saying that the pandemic unemployment payment and black market nixers for hairdressers are causing a staffing crisis. Joining me to discuss what is going on, President of the Hairdressing Council of Ireland, Wayne Lloyd, who also owns two salons in Ballydehob and in Bandon. Good morning to you, Wayne. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Were you aware of a lot of hairdressers operating in the black market during the lockdown? Well, yeah, let let me just clarify something first. First of all, there's a difference between a black market hairdresser and somebody who works from home who pays their taxes and is insured. So people get confused about that sometimes. And I'm in no way um, have an opinion on those. They're professional hairdressers who work very, very hard and, you know, they have a great clientele. But during the lockdown and and historically in this country, um, you, you guys even have nice names for it called like Foxes and Nixers and basically... That's a nice name for illegal black market hairdressing. During the lockdown, it just was out of control. I got messages from people asking me to do the hair and uh, getting annoyed with me when I wouldn't and saying, well, everyone else is doing it, so why aren't you? Um, The problem now is that our industry is in crisis because we can't get staff to come back to work. Now, that's not the pup payment's fault. But to bring staff, up, you know, off 350, going back to a job that earns 450, and they have to pay tax on it, that's kind of uh, a lot of people don't want to do that. Now that's not the fault of the pub, but it is a fault in the system. And are you hearing from from not necessarily your own staff, but are hairdressers hearing from staff who are straight out saying, "No, it's not financially worth my while to come back to work." And because the black market or the shadow economy that it's called now, it's had a nice little name change there. Um, Because it was so huge in lockdown, um, what's happened is people are choosing to stay off work, claim benefits and um, work illegally because they can earn more money. And there's always been a kind of a bit of a how much for cash kind of mentality in the country. But now it's more than ever important. If you imagine one in four people in this country pay tax, so that's like a house of four friends living together, but only one of them has a job. The country can't survive, so what revenue will do is eventually there'll be a tax hike for all of us. 
um, caused by the black uh, the shadow economy. Um, now, I have spoken to Social Protection. They've been out to see me, and they have employed um, a lot more extra bodies to go out, and they are hot on the hairdressing industry at the moment, which I, for one, am delighted about because, um, you know, we all have to pay our contributions. Nobody likes paying tax, Patricia. It's like car insurance. Nobody really wants to pay it. It's a bit of pill to swallow. But it's something we have to do. It's a legal responsibility. So these officers are working now, um, and they'll be going out looking for people that are working on the shadow economy and, um, you know, people that are... We lose a lot of staff to salons that pay half cash and half um, through the books because they can pay their staff more. And we can't compete with that because we, we pay it properly. Um, and they are looking for people like that at the moment. There's kind of a, a big um, investigation team at the moment and their focus is on hairdressing. And I'm assuming as well that there's also a, an issue, uh, Wayne, whereby uh, clients paid less on the shadow economy. So therefore, when they come back into a hairdressing salon, they don't want to pay you the full amount. De- definitely, of course. But, you know, in, you know that, that person that came around your house, they're not paying tax, they've got no overheads, they've got no insurance. Also, they were breaking the law because the COVID level five meant because the salons were closed, Nobody had the right to have their hair done, and no hairdresser should have been working. So they were breaking the law. Let's not dress it up here and pretend it was a nice little, you know, fox or at home. It was breaking the law. Um, yes, it's going to cost you more to go to a salon, but a couple of different things are going to happen. In the salon, you've got... Imagine if there was a contact tracing issue with that little home hairdresser who was breaking the law. Do you think they went to the HSA and passed on all the people that they'd been to? Of course they didn't. So the sound safety regulations are much higher. Yes, that client got it cheaper, and they might find it hard to go and spend more in the salon. But the problem is, what's going to happen eventually, you'll lose your high street salons, you'll lose your high street salon staff, and eventually there's going to be, you know, our industry's in crisis at the moment. Clients might also feel a little bit embarrassed to go back to the salon and say, look, I had it done, it, you know, when I shouldn't have. But I don't think any salon is going to, pass any judgment necessarily on the mm. client, mm. we'll be glad to have the clients back and offer them a five-star service. Um, I and I assume as well, that Wayne, that there will also be insurance issues. If somebody is working in the shadowy economy, not they're not, they don't have insurance no, coverage. of course you don't. Of course you don't. you don't. They don't pay tax. They're not insured. It's against the law. Now, I do know of quite a few cases where people were caught and fined quite heavily, but the um, social protection and um, revenue didn't have enough staff to get round everyone in the lockdown, but they're definitely on it now. And I, I actually applaud them for what they're doing now because they, they, they see it as a problem in our industry. They have been in touch with the hairdressing council and we have liaised with them about, you know, how we see it as a problem because a lot of salons aren't able to open. There's support for salons up until the end of June. And I think after that, we'll see a lot of salons just drifting away because they can't, they can't get staff. They can't afford to, to pay their bills and to, to, to battle against the shadow economy um, is, at the moment, a, an impossible task. And so the help from revenue and social protection is welcomed by the Hairdressing Council to save our industry. OK, and I'm assuming as well that some appointments have you have to turn down clients if you don't have enough staff to work. Exactly, exactly. It's as simple yeah. as that. If we don't have the staff to work, we can't take on the clients. And... Um, we're under COVID restrictions anyway, so, you know, it's very difficult for us to, 
um, uh, you know, as a business owner, I'll be very, very truthful. Before lockdown, our industry was working on about a 3% profit level. There's now, we're now, well, we're now working on a negative margin. So we need to have salons, you know, busy and, uh, you know, busy whilst safe. But we do need to have a constant flow of clients. And with, with the clients we've lost to the shadow economy, the, the, the effects of that then is, is people uh, in in uh, salons lose jobs and um, if we can get staff we can't get staff and then obviously the salons can't survive so it is a huge thing and I'm definitely in my position of president of the council it's something that the councillor definitely put in that nobody wants to deal with this you see it's a tricky situation that the councillor put in their left foot forward and we de- it's something we're working very strongly to tackle at the moment because if somebody doesn't tackle it, we won't have an industry anymore. And it's not just hairdressing. It's going to be the same for all of the small and medium enterprise. Definitely hospitality, it's, kind of, it's going to be the same in hospitality. So we need to stand up and make a difference, because otherwise, in all this, I don't see Ireland as a place of big, big business. We're lots of towns and villages and you know, made up of small and medium businesses, and we're going to lose them if we don't do something about the shadow economy. Okay, and just very finally, could you end up having to look overseas to get new hairstylists to come to Ireland to work? I already am. I have a girl from Lithuania coming in today because I can't get Irish staff. To me, that's very bad. I've been an employer for 14 years in Ireland, and I'm having to look outside the country to get people that want to work. Okay. All right, we'll leave it there, Wayne. Thank you for that. Thank and you thanks very much. Uh, for joining us. Uh, good Bye morning now. to you. That, uh, and you too. That's Wayne Lloyd, uh, who has a salon in Ballydehob and in Bandon, and he's president of the Hairdressing Council of Ireland. Our lines are open 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, the ongoing problems for people trying to get their full driver's licence continues, but the latest issue affects those new drivers who want to undertake their driver theory test online. To update us on this, uh, Labour Cork East Dáil Deputy Sean Sherlock joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. And Sean, before we talk about this tech issue with the online theory test, there was a bit of good news announced on Friday in that in-person driver theory tests are to reopen this day week, isn't it? That's right. So on the 7th of June, the driver theory test, which is your final test, uh, will will reopen. And what we're being told is that uh, they'll create capacity for approximately 25,000 people per month. So if if you're extrapolating that into court terms where you've about 10,000 people waiting, you'd hope that a good tranche of those people uh, would, would be seen as soon as possible to, to be able to, you know, to do, complete their tests. However, uh, you know, the Secretary General of the Department of Transport, when questioned by myself at the Public Accounts Committee last week, did state that they're making provision for 80 testers. So we have to see how that how that translates into a Cork scenario, for instance. You know, will, will that result in additional testing capacity in Cork, Ballancolig, in Cork, Wilton, in Mallow, Skibbereen, and, and so on? And, you know, what does the, uh, what, what does the potential for one additional tester or two additional testers per centre 
uh, actually mean in real terms for people on the ground who are still waiting for their tests. So while I welcome the news, it is a positive step forward, but what it well, we have yet to see the evidence of it until it is actually started and up and running. So we'll be keeping a close eye on that. And in the meantime, the backlog that we've been speaking to you about in the last number of months just keeps getting uh, longer and uh, longer. Talk to me, though, about these tech issues that have suddenly been identified for people who may be able to do their theory test online. So when we spoke uh, the last day, Patricia, we made the distinction between the final driver test and then when you're at the start of the process, you have to do your driver theory test. And we had obtained figures which were showing that over 100,000 people across the country were still waiting for their driver theory test. And we were advocating for that to be moved online so that you could get people tested, you know, in an online format on their home so that somebody in Fromai didn't have to be going up to uh, Carrigan Shannon in County Leitrim, which is one of the cases that we discussed. So what they what they did was they... Last week, they uh, stated that they were moving, you know, they had opened up the process for people to apply. And we welcomed that. But then we found out that only uh, 4,000 people were being accepted in the first tranche. So we that's why I questioned Ken Spratt, the Secretary General of the Department last week, because I thought, well, if you're opening it up to 4,000 people, what's the basis on which you're doing it? The technical issue here is that they only opened it on what they call a Windows platform. So if your listeners are, are looking at their phones at the moment, uh, you know, and if it's a smartphone, for instance, the chances are that it's either, uh, you know, a, a iOS, which is Apple, or it is Android, which covers a multitude of different types of smartphones. So if you had an Android operating system on your phone, if you had an iOS stroke Apple operating system on your phone, you were excluded from that process unless you only had a Windows uh, capability. So that's why I, uh, you know, expressed my concern about that to Mr. Spratt. He returned to me to say that he was very disappointed uh, with that and that they are now working through uh, those technical issues because it's just inconceivable that you would ex- exclude a whole tranche of people, uh, the majority of which would probably have either Apple technology or Android technology from the process uh, and that is being worked on. So they they are telling us that, you know, they 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 have an ambition. This is the RSA have an ambition to do 50,000 per month, but you can't get to 50,000 per month if you're already excluding, uh, you know, the vast mm. bulk of people who would operate on these systems. So that is being worked and on. And a lot well. of young people will want to operate, will be, uh, we're talking about young people in the main who are going for a driver theory test and many of them will want to access that on their phone and if it happens to be an Apple phone, they won't be able to do it. Indeed. So that that is being worked on and I had received an assurance from Mr. Spratt uh, by close of business on Friday, on Thursday actually, that they were working on that issue. But we'll continue to monitor that as well because it's just important for people. And and funnily enough, the the funny thing about all this, Patricia, is that it's not just young people who are doing the driver theory testing. It's actually people across the whole age demographic. And I, I kind of abide by the dictum that you know, the the system has to be fit for purpose uh, for everybody, no matter what age they are. And secondly, that the uh, there has to be equality of access, regardless of your 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 age. And if the Tornister is moving to, you know, get people back to work, 
you know, then we have to realise that there are all sorts of people out there who need the driver theory test in order to be able to take up positions that require them to be able to drive. And that's the bottom line as far as I'm concerned. Okay, all right. And so many people desperate, absolutely desperate uh, to get their driving licence. Just while we have you on the line, uh, Sean, on another topic, we are getting a flood of calls today. And we've been getting them in across last week as well. But after the weekend, there seems to be an awful lot of calls and texts today from people in their 60s who in the last month, couple of weeks, received their first AstraZeneca shot. Absolutely thrilled that they've got on the vaccination road, but now saying we've got to wait three months before we get our second shot. And with everything that's coming out from the UK, particularly the announcement that the UK have decided to make the AstraZeneca instead of 12 weeks, they're giving the second shot after eight weeks. I'm assuming that there isn't a TD in the country that's not getting similar calls. I'm I'm absolutely uh, on the same page as you on this one, Patricia. And uh, my colleague, Brendan Howland, who's in that age category, raised this in the doll. And similarly, uh, Brendan, uh, 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 party leader, Alan Kelly, also raised it in the doll. I uh, had my vaccine on um, uh, on Friday. Uh, I was able to uh, go in, thank Goodness, Mallow was there. They, it was an excellent service. Everything was so professionally organised. I just want to say thank you so much to everybody there because it was just a wonderful experience. And the irony of it is, is that I'm 48 years of age. It is highly probable that somebody like me at the age of 48 will be fully vaccinated by the time somebody on AstraZeneca gets their second vaccine. And if they're saying that the, you know, the 60 to 69 cohort were, are more at risk than, say, for instance, somebody who is a 40-something, it, does, it beggars belief as to why the AstraZeneca cohort are not getting their second vaccine uh, in, in a shorter time period so as to make them fully, fully vaccinated. So I, uh, we're working on that issue as well because I, I've spent literally countless hours talking to people on the phone who are just extremely worried and don't feel as if they're being listened to. And uh, for me, a trend is when three people ring you on a co- on something uh, and they express the same opinion and they don't have a connection with each other. That signals to me that there's a massive trend out here of worry in respect of this AstraZeneca. And the one common denominator between all of the people uh, who, who contacted me is that they felt as if the expression by the Tanisha that they should, you know, they need to get to the back of the queue if they don't take up their vaccines was deeply offensive to them. But I think now the least we could do as a state is to ensure that uh, they have their second vaccine in a timely fashion. And that's something that I know that Brendan Howland and Alan Kelly, Alan Kelly raised it in the doll again last week. I have a meeting with uh, Alan Kelly uh, after this call and, and it's something that I certainly will be raising with him again. I think we need to keep the pressure on the government to make sure that people who have the AstraZeneca within that cohort get their uh, vaccines in a timely fashion. The bottom line here is... But is it going to be a supply issue, Sean? Because I heard Paul Reid at the weekend saying that all of the AstraZeneca that they've ordered and that is due in is all now being kept for people with their second doses because so many people now are starting to be due their second doses, people who would have been vaccinated uh, back in March and that will run right through the summer then with the 60s uh, cohort. Some of them not due to get their second shot until uh, August. Is it going to be a supply issue from AstraZeneca? I, I don't know the answer to that question, Patricia, but I do think that uh, there has to be a solution found, whatever that solution is. And 
if there's one thing that this COVID pandemic has thrown up, is that there is no playbook for any kind of scenario anymore so that you, you know, you're creating the playbook from scratch for a given scenario. And we're now in a scenario where people have to wait, uh, you know, for too long a period to get their second vaccine. And I think it's for the HSE and the government to come up with some solutions so as to ensure that that cohort can can have the peace of mind so that and they're not uh, treated unequally to somebody in my age cohort, for instance, at the ripe old age of 48, where I will be vaccinated, be fully vaccinated before somebody on the AstraZeneca is, is, is vaccinated, even though somebody on AstraZeneca got their first vaccine before I did. There's, there is, yeah. I'm sure there is a way that you can find a solution to this. And what we want is everybody fully vaccinated in a timely fashion. And you want people within the 60 to 69 category uh, to enjoy the, the fruits of the opening up of society as well. Uh, and okay. they deserve it. OK, we're over on time. I've got to leave it there, Sean. Thank you for Thanks that. For and uh, keep us posted, particularly on the AstraZeneca uh, issue. Uh, thanks for that. We'll talk again. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Cork East, uh, Dáil Deputy uh, Sean uh, Sherlock joining us. OK, we need to take a break. We're heading towards the news at 11. In the next hour, we're going to look at uh, worries that our unemployment figures could go to uh, 16%. We'll also catch up with your calls and comments. That's all coming up uh, after news at 11. John Paul taking your calls, 1850 Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurances Can Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And actually, I've been asked to say hi. It was a very special birthday happened yesterday. Whereas Eileen O'Driscoll is in residential care in Bantry Hospital. And I'm told, Eileen, you were 100 years old yesterday. Happy birthday to you. The Cotter family in Old Dromore were on, hoping that you had a lovely day. And I'm sure you had a very special day and that everybody at Bantry Hospital uh, made a big fuss of you and that you got to celebrate your 100th birthday. Happy birthday to you. And a lovely WhatsApp in from Katrina to say, Patricia, can I express my thanks, please, to the staff at the vaccination centre at the GAA complex in Mallow yesterday. I got a text on Saturday to say that my vaccination was booked for Sunday yesterday at 10am in the morning. Unfortunately, that time clashed with my mother's first anniversary mass. Now, I didn't want to cancel my appointment, nor did I want to miss my mum's first anniversary mass. So I arrived first thing at Carragoon and I explained my story. There was absolutely no problem whatsoever. I was first in and I was out by 9.30am. My mother was definitely watching over me and making sure I wouldn't miss out on either the mass or my vaccination. The staff couldn't have been nicer. It was so well organised. Uh, thanks in particular to the student nurses who had just started working there for the summer months, chatted away to me while I was waiting after my vaccination. They were all so friendly. That is from uh, Katrina. Thank you for that, uh, Katrina. And thank you for taking time out to message us uh, as well. Hope you're keeping well. 1850 Now we're getting news in that there's a water outage in Kildallery and it must be serious because I'm hearing that a water tank is on its way to the GAA pitch. Councillor Frank O'Flynn uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Frank. Patricia, good morning, listeners. OK, what's going on in Kildallery? Um, I was around 2 o'clock and started the, the water went down, uh, Patricia, and some areas of Kildallery actually have no water since. So uh, we were very active uh, on Saturday and Sunday. And it is an absolute disgrace that uh, families um, and businesses in Kildallery can suffer 
This is going on since 2017. The big issue is that the, the amount of water being pumped in, Patricia, into the reservoir is going out faster than it's going in. So uh, the, especially the high pass to Kildali, the Kildali village, and the people who really suffered was the residents. Now, as you know, more and more people are walking from home. And also the businesses there, serving service station, touching time, and you've known the uh, well-known hairdresser locally. They actually had to close on Saturday at 2 o'clock. And again, she cancelled appointments again today. So, um, ah, news is, and she only just opened. Isn't that awful? Just back, um, just back. And the first day of summer, as Sullivan's told me yesterday, in fact, the biggest crowd that was ever around, a lot of cyclists, they had no toilet facilities, no food, no coffee. So one group came from Limerick, they were to go and top their 40 miles, and they dropped in for the, they, they always dropping to Kildalway. So no coffee, no toilets. You can imagine how they felt. So the, late last night, I got in touch with Irish Water. And uh, they have agreed that a new pump was necessary. So a state-of-the-art pump is being fitted today. EPS contractors in Mallow are actually on site. And while the water will be uh, out because we'll be commissioning the new pump, I have arranged for a water tanker to be at the GA uh, field in Kildallery. So How long do you expect it to take for the new pump to be in and up and running? I, they, they're talking about three, maybe four to six hours. Between taking out the old one, uh, uh, fitting the new one and then commissioning it. And but uh, this good news, this pump is giving trouble at the last three or four weeks. This pump is about 10 years old. The new one will be probably four times as fast and it'll be state of the art. And I'm also delighted that EPS were able to come out first thing this morning and they're working on site now. And we're also arranging that uh, a water tanker will be put in place at the GA field for all the residents. Okay. Okay. And by close the business, it should be water should should be be back in people's pipes. Okay. All right, Frank. In my real fight, that's we have to replace the water tower because the water tower is leaking. They have planning permission. It is there since 2017 we've raised this issue. So we, we've solved one issue, but we're going to keep it. So it's good news for Kildallery. We, we'll have the new pump fitted and we'll also have a water tanker in place while the water is out. Thank you, Patricia. OK. All right, Frank, thank you for that. Bye. And uh, thanks for joining us. That's Councillor uh, Frank O'Flynn. And my sympathies going to the people of Kildallery who have struggled with water for, uh, for many, many years. It really is crazy. Now, some of your uh, texts uh, coming in. Uh, Massey in South Cork. Hi, Patricia. I listened to you talking to Tommy Fleming and actually I saw our interview being picked up in the Irish Daily Mail uh, today. Our interview with uh, Tommy Fleming about the situation with uh, live music. Uh, Mossy said he was saying in the interview that some musicians who were unemployed long time have been told to retrain. Yeah, they're getting letters from uh, Department of Social Protection saying retrain. Tommy said that these musicians knew nothing else all of their lives, all they've ever done is uh, music and to ask them to retrain to some other career he felt was ridiculous. Well, the economic crash happened in 2008, 2009, 2010. Construction workers then in their 50s and 60 years of age who knew nothing else all their lives and lost their jobs, they also had to retrain our emigrate. I don't know God's plan for all of us but we all have to go through tough times, I'm afraid. Hopefully it won't be for too uh, long. So Massey has an understanding why the department is telling musicians to retrain. On hairdressing, when we were speaking with Wayne in the last hour, Heidi says, morning Patricia, Um, listening to Wayne talking about hairdressers and what's happening with hairdressers, there is another issue that a lot of people are not returning to hairdressers because a lot of people have learned to do their own hair during the pandemic 
and many people purchased hair clippers etc and are learning to do their own hair and I saw somebody else who's saying Phil said I was at mass on Saturday and I noticed looking around that only one or two in the congregation had hair colour in people have let their natural hair come back there was lots of greys and whites to be seen stay safe says uh, Phil so some people are not returning to the hairdressers Caroline by WhatsApp says Patricia it's right across the population this was young people out socialising at the weekend but Caroline said it's not just young people young and old are being irresponsible there were so many house parties going on I saw and heard of so many this past weekend says Caroline so it's not just all to do with people gathering in the cities Denise said on the gathering of large groups outside of pubs while I sympathise with young people missing out on seeing each other I really have no time for people young or otherwise who still show no regard for others we are not out of danger yet these people simply don't care I totally agree with Dr Tony Houlihan um, and he needs to keep reminding people about good adherence to the guidelines. Also, I feel too many people are copping out by blaming city councils for lack of facilities. Grow up a bit, folks, and take responsibility. At the end of the day, we're nearly there, but we're not there yet, says Denise. And it's that old adage that we're all in this together. Dermot said the most important the most important want now is not to enjoy ourselves, but to avoid another wave of COVID-19 and that's what we all have to do. We all have to remember that uh, we're, we're, we're back to this. We're all in this together. And then another listener, this is another one of the listeners in sort of that 60 cohort waiting on the second jab. This is Eileen. This morning, Patricia. I work in a school and I got my first dose of AstraZeneca. I got it about two weeks ago. I am considered the most vulnerable for my age group. It turns out I'll be the last now to be fully vaccinated as most of the other staff were either offered the Pfizer vaccine, so they'll get their second jab in four weeks, or some got the Johnson & Johnson, which is just one jab. It means for me and indeed people in my cohort, I will not be going to a hotel or indeed even to meet up with friends over the summer as I am still not safe, particularly against the Indian variant. My second vaccine is actually a week before I return to school in August. So I won't even be protected for the first two weeks that I am back. How is this fair? I am so fed up with the whole thing, says Eileen. And we are getting text after text after text on a similar vein to that. And that's why I did bring it up with Sean Sherlock. And it was interesting to hear Sean say that it is it is something that's been spoken about in, in doll circles. So whether pressure is going to come on the HSE to particularly shorten the gap if they, they had extended the AstraZeneca gap from 12 weeks to 16. They brought it back to 12 weeks. But now when you look at what's happening in the UK, they have brought the 12 weeks back to eight weeks. I am wondering, is the very same thing going to happen here? Will we be at least even pushing it back to eight weeks? And I don't know how many people would take comfort from that if it went back to eight weeks. Somebody says, I was delighted to have been given my first dose of AstraZeneca back in March as I have stage four cancer. Last week, I was talking to a man younger and fitter than me who had got the single shot dose of Janssen. Also, others who have had their second shots of Visor. Please, 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 HSC, will you pull the finger 
out and get these second doses administered as soon as possible. And so then someone else says, Patricia, one shouldn't worry too much about not being fully vaccinated. I am fully vaccinated, says this texture. My doctor says I'm still in danger and to wear a mask in public and to be careful when meeting people. He is fearful that more and more more and more people returning from foreign travel uh, could bring in new variants with them. Everybody has to continue to mind themselves. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Toppers takeaway there on Turner's Cross. They're currently looking to recruit a new member of staff to join their growing team. Now, you do need to be flexible. Hours will include weekends, but the job does come with an immediate start. Allen Weld in Newmarket. They are looking for full and part-time welders, while an, ele- an apprentice is wanted for an electronic security system that's in the Mallow area. You'll get further details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, unemployment could exceed 390,000. That's according to a new study by Social Justice Ireland. If that figure is reached, it would be 16.1% of the labour force. Joining me from Social Justice Ireland, uh, Colette Bennett. Good morning to you, Colette. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome uh, to the programme. When did we last have an unemployment figure that high? 1986. So this would be a a higher unemployment figure than we saw at the the last recession after 2008. But as Ireland opens up, more and more people are thankfully returning uh, to work. But do you believe that some or many may never return to work? Um, Well, basically where this data came from was the Labour Force Survey. And what that is, is the quarterly survey that the Central Statistics Office, the CSO, do. Um, And in the last three months of last year, they added questions about the respondents' expectation of returning to the same job. So these are people who've had their employment impacted by COVID, um, and that that amounts to 1.2 million people. um, And 21% of those, so 255,000 people, don't expect to return to the same job. So even with everything opening up, these people don't expect to go back to that work, to their previous employment. Um, And when we look at the sectors that are affected, I suppose it it starts to make a bit more sense. So, you know, in terms of those people who don't expect to return to work, that the majority of these people, the highest numbers, um, are in information and communication sector. So that's almost 44,000 people. Um, And if you think about how... COVID affected us. More people were working from home, so there was more IT needed at that time. So as people return to their offices, there are going to be less jobs needed in those areas. Um, Similarly, in in human health and social work, um, almost 31,000 people don't expect to go back to the same job post-COVID. And again, when you think about it, we ramped up the healthcare to, to deal with the pandemic. Now, we needed more people in healthcare pre-pandemic. So it is very disappointing that 31,000 people don't expect that they will have that job um, you know, when, when the pandemic ends because it is desperately needed. It's desperately needed in things like 
you know, primary healthcare centres or community health networks. Um, and then the wholesale and retail, sorry, the wholesale and retail sector, um, 29,000 people don't expect. And we know, for for instance, that there have been many closures, things like Debenhams, um, you know, jobs like Sarah, stuff like that, that, that have actually left Ireland. So, you know, it's not surprising, perhaps, in, in that respect, that there are people in, in the retail trade sector that don't expect to return to work. What age group do you fear will be most affected? Well, we know for for a fact that it's been very widely reported. You know, younger people have been disproportionately impacted by um, COVID in terms of their employment. So, of the almost two hundred and fifty five thousand people who don't expect to go back to their job, almost one hundred and twelve thousand of those were aged between fifteen and thirty four. So, there's a real risk of a youth unemployment crisis. We had poor youth unemployment anyway um, pre-pandemic, so this is obviously going to, to make that worse. However, what people may not be aware of, and it was something that, that came as a surprise to me when I was looking through the data on it, older workers have also been disproportionately impacted, and, and that isn't being widely reported. So those workers that are aged 60 to 64, so the, the oldest kind of working age bracket, um, of those who have been impacted by COVID, more than one in five of those don't expect to return to work. And that's a real issue for that age bracket because, you know, they may well have rent or mortgages to pay. They may have family commitments and trying to find jobs, trying to take up things like apprenticeships and retraining for that age group may be difficult, um, which is why and when we make our policy proposals, we look for, for things like the, the new action plan for apprenticeships that was published um, this month in May, for that to be expanded to make sure that it captures all age groups. And we make, you know, to try and get lifetime, lifelong learning initiatives and retraining initiatives across the life cycle. Yeah, only last Friday I was talking with the singer Tommy Fleming and we were talking about live music and, you know, how disappointed everybody in that particular industry were when the news came that there would be no live music when the pubs and the restaurants uh, reopened. And uh, Tommy was talking about the fact that uh, some musicians were getting letters from uh, Department of Social Protection suggesting to them that they should retrain um, which, which, depending on your age, isn't always possible. But is that going to be the answer and the solution here, upskilling and retraining for people right across all of the industries that you've mentioned? Well, it's certainly going to be part of the solution. So, you know, when we make our, our proposals, certainly in things like, you know, for the sectoral issues, so those sectors are going to be most affected, you know, there's definitely going to be a need for, for upskilling or, or reskilling so that there can be a transfer of, of these people who have skills um, to, to other jobs or other areas in the same sector. Um, and, you know, we need major investment and we already know we need major investment in things like social infrastructure, so schools and social housing and, you know, things like that, hospitals, primary care centres. Um, so, to, to you know, if, if that was done at a regional or a local basis, to be able to, you know, employ local people and create local economies or boost local economies. Um, and then certainly, you know, in terms of the age-related policies, absolutely, you know, we need to have different approaches to youth unemployment, um, you know, a much more kind of education-focused and then a more kind of in-work and li- lifelong learning approach for, for older workers. And as I say, to make sure that that action plan for apprenticeships is expanded to, to ensure that it's open to, to all age groups. But then we have the, the gender-related policies. And, you know, there's been 
like again, there was work done by by the National Women's Council last year, and they talked about you know how women have taken on the burden of caring roles, so the homeschooling mm. and the childcare and and caring for for older relatives where home help wasn't able to to come in anymore, um, and that that fell to women predominantly. Um, and it's, what's interesting in this data is that while more men than women had their employment impacted by COVID. 50% more women than men don't expect to go back to their job. Um, so that's that's a real issue. And in fact, you know, over half of men who whose employment had been impacted were already back in work at the time of this survey. Um, so, you know, the things that we'd be looking at for there is to, to, you know, put in place initiatives that address the obstacles facing women in the labour force. So things like childcare initiatives, things like subsidised childcare, things like flexible employment so that you can rearrange your hours around your household's needs. Um, and again, things like training and information provision, particularly for women who may be out of employment for, for a longer time, um, you know, because there will be households where perhaps the man doesn't expect to go back to work and his partner may you know, need some reskilling to return to the workforce. So it's really looking at all household types and making sure that we're not only looking at upskilling and reskilling in education, but that we're also looking at the, the structural supports that are needed by people when they, they go back to work. Okay, Mary, one of our listeners says, well done to Social Justice Ireland for raising this issue. Uh, Marion is particularly worried about young people losing out. Uh, she said the big difference this time around is you can't even emigrate, whereas previous generations, when there was a downturn in the economy, were able to jump on planes and boats. Not an option because of the pandemic. And she's absolutely right. I mean, that was a safety valve last time round. You know, post-2008, people emigrated. They went to America, Canada, Australia. And it was... You know, it was, de- it was a desperately sad thing for people to have to do, but at least it provided them with an income and it gave them another opportunity, whereas that just isn't, as your caller said, just isn't available this time around. So that's why we need to have policies now. We need to have, we need to be preparing while there's discussions around tapering off or, or finishing up on, you know, unemployment payments, whether that be the pandemic unemployment payment or it be the the wage subsidy scheme, um, you know, that, that we need to start looking at that. If that's going to, to start dropping off in October, now and before now is the time where we need to look at putting in place these supports and these opportunities for people because, you know, as Mary says, there isn't any other option. George, one of our listeners, said he was reading in the Sunday Times newspaper yesterday that they're thinking of bringing back uh, back job bridge. Uh, have we not learned the mistakes the last time round? Yeah, I mean, job job bridge was was not a success, to put it mildly. Uh, so I would agree with George. I mean, that there definitely were were issues there. Um, you know, I I am not au fait with the government's plans on what that might look like. Perhaps they will have taken on the reviews of Jobbridge. They may have taken on some of the recommendations that were made in relation to it. Um, but certainly, it's it's not going to be the way forward for 112,000 uh, younger people who are looking at unemployment. And NASA wants to know, does Caroline know how long more will the PUP payments uh, last? I, I was reading the paper, they're not going to be touched for at least three months, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the tarnish that was out last week mentioning October. So, you know, I, I really don't know other than I, I read in the papers. I've, I've no greater insight, I'm afraid, on that. OK, but you, but that needs to stay in place. Would you say even longer? 
Um, absolutely. And I mean, where where there are going to be tapering off, I mean, we, we've been advocating for a long time that social welfare rates be benchmarked to average earnings. So, you know, back in 2007, it had been um, 30% of the, the average wage. That equates to about 27.5% now. Um, so we would be looking at trying to meet that benchmark. So rather than having people fall off a cliff completely, raising the level of social welfare so that you're tapering down from the the unemployment payment, the pandemic unemployment payment, but you're bringing welfare up to where it should be in terms of of benchmarking against wages, with a view to obviously then meeting the minimum essential standard of living. And just finally, when you were talking about those possible uh, job losses and people not going back to work, is that across all areas of the country or will some parts of the country be more affected? Um, it's it's very interesting, actually, that, you know, after the last crash, after 2008, um, the recovery was quicker for Dublin and the eastern seaboard than it was for the western part of the country um, and then kind of the, the northwest, certainly. Um, whereas what we're seeing in this data is that Dublin and the southeast are most affected. Um, in fact, Dublin is going to, you know, if, like if measures aren't put in place and if employment isn't generated, Dublin is, is facing a 21% unemployment rate. Um, so that brings into question a couple of things, like the sustainability of the employment that was created after 2008, but also what's going to happen with areas that were impacted. So if we look at the southwest um, pre-COVID, you know, so that, that's where your, your own area would be, um, pre-COVID there was an unemployment rate of 6.3%. Um, there's a possible unemployment rate post-COVID of 15.3%. So it's about two and a half times there. Um, you know, an additional 32,000 people in the southwest that that may well be facing unemployment. Wow. Wow. Listen, we leave it there. Uh, Colette, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you so much, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Colette Bennett, who is with Social Justice uh, Ireland. 1850-333-103. Evelyn and Mallow has been on to us. Evelyn was one of the callers who contacted us last week. Uh, she lives in Mallow, but she got Killarney as her vaccination destination and she wasn't able to go to Killarney. So she cancels the appointment in the hope that when she got a new appointment, she would get Mallow. When she was back on to say that she did get a new appointment and she did get Mallow, she went this morning got her vaccination. She said everybody at Carragoon was absolutely fantastic. So a well done. So Evelyn was one of those who cancelled the appointment and got the, the second one closer to home because I heard of someone at the weekend three times cancelled Killarney and three times got rescheduled for Killarney because it is computer generated. 1850 John Paul's taking the calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, a Wexford startup is hoping to make its mark in the very crowded dating app scene by mimicking the feeling of being in a nightclub. To talk about catch with a K, a new mingling app. I'm joined by Paul Newman, who is the designer of this new dating app. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Patricia. You're welcome to the programme. Now, you're a single man yourself. What is it about the other dating apps that didn't work for you or doesn't work for you? I suppose like a lot of the um, 
that are, that are dating apps focus on one thing, and that's looks. And I think everybody will agree when you meet the person that you fall in love with, it's more um, from personality. Um, so I suppose for me, it's like, as I said to you before, um, like I, I like the girl and she didn't like me. So I said, like, she's, she's not liking the look. So I said, there must be something more out there and more out there in, in terms of how she can understand me. So I said, like, well, she's not understanding my personality. So I said, hold up a second here. There's loads of apps on the market. Why can't they understand my personality and put me together with other people who are like me? And that's how Catch came about, um, solving that so problem. So outline to us, it's a, so, so as I mentioned in the introduction, it's a mingling app. Just outline how it actually works. Well, I suppose like if you look at it, before the pandemic, most people went out and about and met people in bars or out and about in cafes. So what we're saying is that that's probably the the most uh, seamless way to meet someone because it's relaxed. It's there's no pressure. If you look at dating apps, they kind of almost put the cart before the horse. They say that oh, I like your face. I'm chatting with you, but I haven't met you yet. So what we're saying is that we're putting all the the meeting first, and then if you like that person, you can progress and meet them. So I suppose we catch. We say. You find somebody real, so everything is real, establish something meaningful, and then progress quickly to meeting. Because if you look at dating apps, people are spending numerous hours and hours and hours swiping and chatting without actually meeting them. So mingling is a very relaxed way, in a, in a crowded bar, chatting with people, relaxed. And then when you go to actually progress, you kind of almost half know that person. So, so explain how you're going to mimic a nightclub or mimic an event. So what we do is, like, I suppose, mi- the mingling side of our, of our concept is, is, I suppose, the, the, uh, I suppose the, the way how to make them uh, relaxed. So what we say is all of our platform is real. So if you look at all the dating applications at the moment, you can upload it, uh, a picture and you can off you go and you can start dating. You can go to anyone's profile. So with Catch, what we say is that everything is a video which basically means there's no fakes, there's no catfishing, all that is eliminated. We then focus on understanding your personality together with you. Because, like, for example, funny people who love humor tend to kind of gravitate towards people who make them laugh. People like it, who mm. like adventurous things gravitate towards people who like the outdoors. So what we're saying is that understanding the personality, and then from there, the mingling enables them to simulate or enables them to, in a relaxed way, to start talk to that other person. So what we do is we have DJs who play and in a nightclub environment or a bar environment and they're able to just like just mingle. And uh, during the mingling session, people are in, in a one-to-one session with one another in a very uh, relaxed way. So it, it makes things very easy to chat um, and then progress because what we've done is we've put you together with similar people, people like of your tribe, and then it's just easy because you've a lot to discuss because you're actually... You both like the same things, whether it's whether it's being GA or whether it's being uh, sailing or something, or whether it's something to do with your personality. Like in reality, it's clever. like it's fine. It's 50, fifty-nine percent of Irish singles between twenty-four and forty are single. You know, so there is a massive market and there's a massive demand, especially now in the lockdown. You know, people want to meet people. 
Yeah, and, and I like the idea that it's personality over looks because when people upload photographs onto any sort of a, d- a dating site, there's filters. It might have been a photograph that was taken a number of years ago and when somebody meets in person, they might look like nothing like the profile totally, pic. Totally, And I, I'm sure your listeners have loads of examples, I'm sure of it, where I went on, I, I met on some app and then we scheduled to meet. I went to meet the person and they were nowhere how they looked like. I suppose mm. what I would say is, like, you like the looks but you love the person. And I think if you look at it from a picture, a picture is one frame of your life, but in that one second, there's 60 frames of a video. So when you have an event, then it's possible, Paul, that you could meet and mingle with more than one person uh, during that evening. Of course, absolutely, absolutely. And, And I suppose like... What I, what I always give the, the example of is like online dating is like you go to a restaurant and the waiter comes over and gives you the yellow pages and there's so much choice. So what we try and do is we limit that choice to, to a number and what we give a number is 10. And when you go through 10, realistically, your brain starts to say, look, that's a bit too much and then we pull you back. So in any event, we try and limit to the numbers that you see, but everything is quantifiable to what you want. And have you lo- you've had an event already, have you? Oh yeah, we've had we've had numerous events so far. What we're focused on is working with the brands, like uh, um, the nightclubs that want to get opened. So what we will do is we work with them to get their nightclub opened and allow their users to work with their brand through our application. So we have had numerous events, like for, from universities to bars. Um, so that's our business model. We're a little bit different than the than the rest of the apps. We focus on. Our goal is specifically trying, trying to get results um, as opposed to like spend numerous hours working on it. It should be easy. Like If you think about it, there's so many people using, using apps. Why is it so difficult for people to find the right person? Because you know exactly what, what you're looking for or what you want. Well, not all the case, but most of the time. And the system should, should very easily be able to match you um, with the people that you like as opposed to you doing all the work. And when we're fully out of the pandemic, but how long is a piece of string? We don't know when we're going to be fully out of the pandemic. Do you you believe there will still be a need for an app like Catch? I think, I think if you look at the way we live live our lives right now, it's very, very fast paced. Um, I think the more people are working on through the internet, I think people are going to re- realise that the internet is a faster way to meet the right person. It's definitely, mathematically, it's, it's better. Like my parents, for example, when they met, they met on the Beagles. So they met that way, and that's the way they met bef- like in, their, in their generation. The ne- our generation now is, is, is the internet technology. It's, it's the way things are. People are going, to be, uh, are going to be using it more and more and more. So the the, the 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 mathematics behind it is that you should you will be able to um, uh, present yourself to the to the right network of people because if you look at it before demographics were important whereby you live in a certain area you've done certain things but the internet will allow you to kind of present yourself to the right to the right market I think people understand that because you can get more but you can you can very be very niched because in this world we are becoming very very niched we like certain brands certain things. And that presents us differently. So I think, yes, as we come out of the pandemic, um, we're definitely going to be more um, savvy to this technology. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people will tell you they've tried dating apps and for whatever reason, they just didn't work for them. Yes, absolutely. We get so many, like, 
like I've been since I started, I've kind of opened myself up more and more to this uh, kind of this community of 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 uh, how people feel with regards to using apps. Like the thing about it is, like I think the way the apps are designed at the moment, they're designed to keep you using them. They're like called sticky services, whereby you just like using it because you have nothing else to do, and you're just swiping, 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 swiping. But in reality. What do you want to use it for? And I think even people who use apps, they don't even know what they want to use it for. But I think when people are serious, they know exactly what they want to do. Like, for example, I'll give you a good example. Monday morning is the highest usage um, among women in Ireland of dating apps. And the reason for that is because they spent the weekend, uh, sun was shining, they were out, they saw their friends with their boyfriends or girlfriends, whatever. And now they, that's exactly what they want to fill. So Monday, every Monday morning, that's the highest usage of, of online dating in Ireland among women. So there's, Wow, wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're right. I think yeah, I had the weekend and then Sunday, Monday morning comes and oh, I'm on my own again. I've, I've got no one. Uh, have you built safety features uh, into, into the app, Paul? Of, of course. So, so in, like, that's paramountly most vital thing uh, among any any application. So in our application, everything is video. So you can't hide. So there's no fakeness in anything. There's no filtering. You are you. Are you. Now, people say that can be have a negative thing because everyone, lo- everyone loves Instagram. They love filters. But in reality, you know yourself, when you meet a guy, the, all the guy wants to know, who is he? Who are you? Or same with girls too. So inside, inside the app, they have, we have a lot of... Um, Safety features. There's a lot of uh, stop buttons. There's a lot of filters. There's a lot of filters based on on control, giving the control and settings to the user, and we know that. And also, in every session, we have managers routinely um, analysing usage patterns and so forth. Well done. Well done. And a, a charge. How much does it cost for for customers to get involved? Every brand will charge something different. Um, so it can be it can be free, it can be um, paid, it can be sponsored. So it, we work with like the likes of nightclubs, and they can dictate what they want to charge. Um, so different brands. So it's really up to the brand what they want to charge. So realistically, anywhere from a five or to eight euro, ten euro, that kind of thing. Okay, and people can just download the app wherever they get their apps. Yep, from iCatch dot com. Yep. Okay. Well, it's good luck with it. It's it's it certainly it's a really interesting uh, concept, and I think you're onto a winner with this one. Um, thank you. And by the way, have you met anyone yet yourself, Paul? <laughs> no, not yet. No, <laughs> I'm in, pro- in 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 process. In process. Have a look here in Cork. There's some lovely singles here in Cork. Yes, Listen, yes. you look after yourself, Paul, Thank and you uh, thanks a million for joining us. Uh, thank, thank you for you that. Bye bye. That is uh, Paul uh, Newman. Bye bye, Paul. That is uh, Paul uh, Newman, and uh, Catch is the name of his new mingling app. It certainly is a new uh, twist on uh, dating apps. 1850-333-103. Somebody's asked me to play a request. I can find it in all the text. There it is. Siobhan Toomey has a birthday today. Siobhan is on the College Road. Happy birthday to you, Siobhan. Your children, Sinead, Gary and Brian. Daughters-in-law, Gillian and Alice. And the grandchildren, Nessa, Jack, Leanne, Aidan and Anna. Want to wish you all the very best. And their message to Siobhan Toomey on her birthday today is we love her very much. Happy birthday, Siobhan. Listen to my text. Hi, Patricia. Do you know when the vaccine portal for the over 40s, the 40 to 44 year old age group is due to open. Thanking you. I don't. I was expecting it to have been opened at this stage. I actually thought that they would open it at the back end of last week because going on the way they did it for people in their 60s and the way they did it for people in their 50s, uh, usually there's a very short time between 
the the upper end of the age group registering and then normally they open it up for the for the younger the 40 to 44 year olds but they haven't announced it yet now whether we we will expect to hear something today or not uh, I'll keep you posted but I just checked when I saw that text come in and certainly there's nothing breaking at the moment that they've opened it for the 40 to 44 year olds but as soon as we get word about it we will announce it but what's interesting is that France have opened up COVID-19 vaccines to all of their uh, adults and they're doing it now a week before Germany is due to do the same thing. And this is all of the countries across Europe now are racing to avoid another wave of infections because people now are starting to get worried about the new virus variants and they realise the only way to protect their people is to get people vaccinated. Up to now, the French authorities, kind of something similar to what we've been doing here. They've been giving priority to people over the age of 50. They've been giving priority to uh, people in certain professions like the healthcare workers, much the same as what we did. And they have also in France been giving it to younger adults with underlying health problems. Again, similar to what we have been doing here. But it it has just been announced now that they have opened up to everybody over the age of 16 in uh, France. So far, they have 25 million people with the first uh, shot, 38% of the population. And nearly uh, that's nearly one in two uh, adults and 12 million have received uh, two shots. So they're, they're doing uh, quite well in France, but they have decided that they need to ramp it up even further. Will we follow suit? I suppose what Paul Reid of the HSE would say, they would love to follow suit here, but it's all dependent on how much vaccine we get into the country. But if it's going on that and the French government are getting a lot of vaccines, you would think the knock-on is we're getting the same amount because we're all getting it from the same uh, pool. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open. Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist, will be joining us in the next hour on the programme. So if you have a nutritional question, feel free to get that into us, uh, please. You can text or what up your questions as well to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. There was a lovely message in from Eileen in Mallow and I hope you're doing okay, uh, Eileen. Uh, She was out and about in Mallow on Saturday. It was around lunchtime and she actually fell and split her head open after she tripped on a footpath. You poor, poor thing. But she contacted us this morning up hopefully she's doing okay but she contacted us because she wants to say thank you to people who rushed to her aid to a woman who literally ran over to her straight away the woman came over because she heard that she heard Eileen's head crunch off the ground then another lady who was with her children also came over and Eileen was making the point it's so hard to know what to do in Covid times and I found that myself you know if you're in a supermarket and you see somebody knock over something you're in, your normal reaction is to go and help them and pick it up or whatever but in Covid times we all kind of stand back going do we help or not but obviously people realised that Eileen needed help and they were over they didn't hesitate so well done to the ladies who rushed to Eileen's aid thankfully her husband was parked nearby. They got her into the car and then straight up to Mallow General Hospital where she said they were so good from the minute she arrived they looked they looked after her so she wants to say thank you to the gang at Mallow Hospital as well because they really looked looked after her. That's an unfortunate thing to happen to you Eileen. Hopefully you're well on the uh, road to a recovery. And Martin in West Cork sent in a WhatsApp that made me smile. 
to say, you know, if you've got Sky Plus recordings on your TV where you've got hundreds of TV channels and if you're sitting down and you're watching something, you can rewind a couple of minutes or go back a few seconds if you miss something or you didn't quite catch what somebody said. Martin wants to know, why isn't there an instant record and rewind for radio channels? He said, I just popped out there for a moment and I'd like to catch up immediately on what I missed on my favourite radio station, C103. (laughs) That's Martin in West Cork. Unfortunately, we don't offer that facility. I don't know of any radio station that does offer that facility. The closest I can say to you that you can do is on a podcast. It's, it's the one thing I do constantly on podcasts. I'm forever rewinding on a podcast because I've either left the room or I didn't quite hear what somebody said. So if you go on the podcast and of course the programme uh, in the afternoon, a couple of hours after we come off air, John Paul puts it up as a podcast. So it's there if you want to listen back to a particular uh, interview. Thank you for that, uh, Martin, and hope you're keeping well in West Cork. We were talking about the that new dating app from uh, Paul Newman, the Wexford man, who's it's a new dating app that it's it's personality overlooks. And the whole idea is that you fall in love with somebody based on the personality rather than on, on your looks. And that's why this new dating website, it's a mingling app, I think he prefers to call it, called Catch, spelled with a K, uh, he reckons is going to be the real winner. Somebody says, what a wonderful idea. Having had cancer, lost my hair, lost a breast, and now lost my teeth uh, because they were affected by the chemotherapy. Uh, I feel, who is going to want a hairless, toothless, boobless lady? I like I like me so if not, whoever I may meet has to accept me, warts and all, exactly as I am. So Paul's app sounds great for those looking for love who are looking beyond the looks of somebody to find the true uh, person. And we hope you do find love. Uh, thank you for that. I can see a lot of questions coming in for Annalise. Can you keep those coming, please? And also John Ahern is the PRO uh, at Aragon GAA. And he said, Patricia, read the impact of COVID-19 restrictions on musicians. Well, that's certainly a little bit of good news for Michael Cahill. Pat Daly and Declan Onger, who are angels. Not that that's pronounced my apologies, Declan. They are performing at a drive-in concert. It's going to take place in Aragland Community Field on the Bank Holiday Monday at that's next Monday, 7th of June, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The concert will run from half two until half five if people want to go along to that. A driving concert. And I'm assuming you stay in your cars. Is that the whole idea of it? A little bit like the drive-in bingo, which is proving to be hugely successful uh, right across uh, Cork. 1850-333-103. Now, what else is coming into us? Still getting a lot of texts in about what was happening at the weekend and people being out and about at the weekend. This is Nick, who lives in the city centre. Now, this one almost made me gag when I when I when I read this. Nick was on to us to say the smell of urine across the weekend in the city centre. He said, unreal. He said, I pity the council workers going out to have to clean it up. It is simply so unfair on them. Their employers don't provide facilities, but as a city dweller, the smell was unreal Saturday night and into Sunday morning. And I suppose the fine weather as well would have only added uh, to it. Many coming from side lanes off our beautiful main streets. And that was the problem when you saw that huge amount of people who were out at the weekend and we saw all the video evidence of it. And if they were all out drinking, which they appeared to be, if you're drinking alcohol, you know what happens. It goes in one end and it has to come out another end. And if then there's not there's not toilets available. I mean, that's one of the points that's been made where when I was talking about uh, uh, 
uh, the woman from the Green Party, what's her name, NASA, um, from the Green Party, where she was pointing the finger of uh, NASA Horgan. She's the Green Party TD. She was pointing the finger of blame at local authorities, not at the government. And she's saying that the local authorities have to start providing better public spaces and better public spaces will include toilet facilities and if you don't put in good toilet facilities in these public spaces then you're going to have the issue that Nick is talking about people running down the nearest alleyway to go for a quick pee and then you end up with the smell of urine all over and for people living there that really is unfair and somebody else says Patricia what went on in our streets over the weekend particularly in our cities was absolutely shameful and city council workers picking up their rubbish where's the health and safety for those workers I think those people that went out I would describe them as filthy people the government is at fault here they've allowed the off licence to stay uh, open and when you were talking with hairdressers about people not going back to work it's not just hairdressing it's in other industries as well you will have and I will say some people not all people you will have some people who simply won't go back to work because they're getting more money on benefits. And actually, when I was talking with Caroline Bennett of Social Justice Ireland, somebody was asking about the pop payments and what's to happen with the pop payments because there were some injury industries... We had it with the we heard it with the hairdressers. We're hearing it from other some other industries as well. That when they contact their employees to say you can come back to work, people are saying no. I'm getting three hundred and fifty euro on a pop payment. If with some hairdressers, if they're doing their nixers at the same time, they can earn a couple of hundred euro there. Why would they go back in when a junior hairstylist gets four hundred and fifty euro a week and they have to pay tax on it? That people are saying no, I'll stay on the pandemic payment, even though listening to Wayne Lloyd of the Hairdressing Council, there's going to be a clampdown on it. Only time will tell. But there are people who feel, and if you're in a low paid job you're better off on a pop payment than you are going back to work. And just on the pop payment for the people who genuinely need the pandemic uh, payment, COVID supports for workers and businesses is not going to be touched for at least another three uh, months. The Cabinet is due to sign off on the retention of the full pandemic unemployment payment, that's the pop uh, rate, as well as the employer wage subsidy scheme and the COVID restriction support scheme. And they're going to leave it in place, they're saying now, until at least September, while businesses could receive up to €20,000 in a, a bullet payment when they reopen in June and July. So there's going to be extra supports for businesses. And then a decision on closing the pop-off to new entrants. That's also going to be made and is expected to get announced this week. I heard Leo Varadkar at the weekend speaking about this and he was making the point that at this stage there are very few people who are losing their jobs now as a consequence of the pandemic. I mean, people will lose their jobs, sadly, for other reasons, but it isn't as a direct result of the COVID payment. And if you lose your job, not because of COVID, then you go on a normal unemployment payment, whereas the pop payment is higher. So they're going to make a decision. So it'll be interesting to watch that when they'll close it off to new entrants. If that breaks, we will bring it to you. Other texts in, we're a great nation of wingers, says this texter. This is to do with young uh, people getting COVID and people talking about young people out on the streets and socialising and people going to house parties. This listener makes the point that not all cases in younger people are down to parties. The number of cases now which are coming out of schools, GAA teams and workplaces, that's not been spoken about. And it's hard because of 
the HSE and the limited information that they can give because of the cyber attack, it's hard to get that very detailed information. Normally the HSE would be issuing press releases and they would be saying how many cases were a direct result of the workplace, how many cases were coming out of schools. But I know I don't know if it's anecdotally or not, but I certainly did hear at the weekend some cases that are directly linked to schools. I certainly was hearing about that over the weekend and that some schools, there was mass testing going on at schools. So I don't know how many schools in our area or here across Cork City and County have been affected. But I think that listener is right. You can't say that all of the young people that are coming down with COVID is as a direct result of house parties or is as a direct result because they were out drinking on the streets at the uh, weekend. And then someone else is picking up on an earlier text about young people getting vaccinated and people saying it's who you know, it's if you're in with the doctor, you're going to get a vaccine, which I really dispute. I I really do not believe there may be some of it going on, but I don't believe. I think doctors are genuinely giving the vaccine to the people most in need and the people they're allowed uh, to give it to. Because somebody's making the point, how does anybody know whether whether young people are vaccinated or, or not? And you don't know what's going on in that young person's life and if there is a health condition going on. And I 100% agree with you on that. I think the earlier listener who knows of young people who've been vaccinated was because her husband is teaching them how to drive. And there are people who, they must be, though, if, if the persons teach them to drive, they're essential workers, even though essential workers haven't been in the list unless they're under health. Uh, but there are young people who've been vaccinated, but you just don't know. Nobody knows why a young person got a vaccine from their doctor and you don't know what the health condition is. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Hi, Patricia. I was driving around Kennedy Quay on Saturday night. Huge crowds on the quay. I witnessed open drug dealing, drink being sold from the back of a car but the biggest problem was the urinating on the streets it was shocking there was no toilets in the vicinity of Kennedy Key and Kennedy Key seemed to be listening to all of the reports coming in in the city seemed to have been where the bulk of the people were and that's from Dennis who's a taxi driver so before people say what was Dennis doing out and about Dennis was working and he could not believe what he was witnessing someone in their 60s waiting on their second jab from AstraZeneca desperate to get it I want to get back out and socialise says this listener and Ross says watching the people who were out at the weekend what is wrong with those uh, people this will go on forever if we don't all abide by the rules and the regulations, I wonder sometimes, says Ross, are some people out there on a death wish, not happy with the scenes that we, that Ross witnessed over the weekend. And Mary in Mallow, this is back to the AstraZeneca and the over 60s and we're waiting to, Sean Sherlock says it's going to be raised in the doll. So we'll wait and see what happens, whether the over 60s are going to get their second vaccine quicker or not. Mary says the over 60s were pushed, Mary feels, into taking AstraZeneca. While we now know it's 30% effective against the Indian strain. So why not give the over 60s the Pfizer as a second uh, shot? That was mentioned last week that NIAC were going to look at that. Now I don't know if they were looking at it for the over 60s. They NIAC certainly were looking at it for the younger age cohort who are due a second vaccine and I know the nurses union were out very strong because a number of nurses are due to get their second dose of AstraZeneca and it has come out in England that there had been, now again, very rare, but there had been 15 cases of people with that very rare blood clot on the second AstraZeneca, but that's in people under the age of 40. So, I, so they were looking, NIAC were going to look at under the age, age of 40 
and whether instead of getting a second AstraZeneca, they would be offered a Pfizer or Moderna instead. But I haven't heard anything about it other than they're looking at it. But certainly, Mary, for the 60s, I didn't hear anything to suggest that they're looking at giving a second, giving a different Pfizer shot and are giving a, a different one to the AstraZeneca. And when you say the 30% effective against the Indian strain, the Pfizer on the first jab is also... 30% effective. It's until you get the second jab that your actual immunity doesn't go up. So it's it's not just the AstraZeneca, it's for the Pfizer uh, as well. 1850-333-103. Our lines are open just quickly to a, a WhatsApp in from Jim. Jim says, Patricia, my son and daughter are both living in the UK. They were due to get their second jab at the end of June They've just been called to say they're going to get their second dose now on the 5th of June, three weeks ahead in the UK. They are worried about the Indian virus. So rather than leave people wait the 12 weeks, they have reduced it to eight or in Jim's uh, son and daughter's case, nine weeks. So they certainly are pressing ahead with that in the UK. Thank you for that, uh, Jim. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.ie. Feed West Cork Food Bank. They're helping people in need in a discreet and confidential way. If you need a helping hand, you can get in touch by phone or text on 87 2879118 or you can go to the Feed West Cork Food Bank on their Facebook Messenger. They would also welcome food donations. Same number, Esther, your contact 0872879118. Imelda Marshall will run a half marathon in the month of June in memory of Connor King. Connor was tragically killed after falling into a blowhole in Garrettstown. Imelda hopes to raise funds for the West Cork Rapid Response and you can donate at idonate.ie forward slash fundraiser in memory of Connor King. And Dara Community Centre currently holding a fundraising clothes collection. You can leave donations of unwanted clothes, shoes, handbags and household textiles at the centre on Wednesday between 2 and 3 and on Saturdays between 11am and 12 noon. But please ensure that your items for donation are in a strong plastic bag and tied at the top. That's a look at today's Community Diary. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And let me take a look at some of your still so many calls coming in about what was going on over the weekend. Ray on Twitter to at C103 Cork says maybe it's time for Cork County Council to grow up and provide proper waste management across communities and stop living in dreamland. Staycations are here to stay. Or does the council want Cork to be a no-go staycation county? We need to have proper facilities for people to dispose of their rubbish, be they on a day out or on a night out. And John in Mallow said the people of Ireland are in lockdown for 15 months and with sunshine, people of course are going to go out and about. Were we not told by Neffet and by the government we need to do our socialising outdoors? At the end of the day, it'll be the same next weekend. It is a bank holiday weekend. Tony Houlihan cannot go 
dictating while the off-licences remain open. They could have cut the opening hours for off-licences at least until the bars were open. Half of this would not be uh, happening. So another person pointing the finger of blame to what's going on on our streets back to the off-licences. Mary says, Hi Patricia, I was in Fomoy over the weekend. The Christmas lights are still up in the town. Did they not take them down? The last time we looked into that, Mary, we were told it was because of COVID. It wasn't deemed essential for the workers and go uh, take them down. And are they still switching them on as well as being up? Are they are they on every night if they are? I think it's nice. Bring a, bring, a, bring, a, bring a bit of darkness to us in the dreary world we're living in at the moment. Tim says, Patricia, I for one would commend the Gardaí. Why should they be out implementing these COVID laws when they're not vaccinated themselves? They should give the two fingers to the HSE, NIAC and NEFET. The way members of Angarda Siakona were treated with regards to vaccination, I think it is inhumane. Another thing, Patricia, college students were finished their exams and secondary school students too. I was in Cork at the weekend and I was driving past the Keys and it was mostly that age group, 16 to early 20 year olds, not people in their late 20s, 30s or 40s. They're too busy to with work and family life. I'm one of those and God only knows when I'll be vaccinated. But this age group will get the blame anyway. There should be no drinking on the streets, local parks or amenities. Anybody caught with alcohol should be hit hard with a fine. And if they're underage, then hit their parents with the fine instead. That might stop them drinking on our streets. Don't get me started on drugs or takeaway pints. Keep up the good work, says Tim. Enjoying listening to the programme. Thank you, Tim, for your rant. Uh, Patricia, to control the crowds in popular public places. The Gardaí need to be present all of the time right across the weekend. At present, what's happening is the Gardaí arrive, they disperse the crowd. But as soon as the Gardaí depart, guess what happens? The crowd return to the same area to continue on with their parties. The Gardaí's constant presence is what is needed to enforce the safety guidelines and to monitor the situation, especially where alcohol is involved. There is also an urgent need to step up on the vaccination programme for all age groups to ensure that all of these restrictions can be lifted and can be lifted uh, soon, says a listener. No name on that WhatsApp. Thank you for that. Patricia, the street parties, the guards, they say, can't do anything. I can't understand that. What happened to the drinking laws, i.e. no alcohol to be allowed in a public uh, place? If that is the case, then surely the guardy can act and can act on the, their local bylaws, aren't they? Then why can't they uh, act on the bylaws? And another listener says, we went to Ballybunion yesterday for the day and guess what? We had to leave because of the crowds. There was no two metre spacing in place. The amount of teenagers I witnessed, underage drinking, young ones drunk around the place. To me, it was absolutely frightening. I even saw drugs and they were being openly taken in public. And then, of course, the few had to have a fight before they decided to uh, head home. One Garda was all I saw up the town while we were in Ballybunion yesterday. We need more Gardaí on the street. 1850-333-103. Thank you for all of your calls and uh, texts. We want to turn our attention to Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist. So if you've got a question for Annalise, get it into us, please. You can call John Paul at 1850-333-103 or straight into me here uh, by text or WhatsApp to 862 103103. 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cuse. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Back Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And let's see if we can get through as many of your questions coming in for Annalise Drussell of the healthhubstore.com, uh, based at the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolly. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Lots of questions in. Let me go straight in with one that came in by uh, email from somebody who enjoys your slot every week is Tara. Tara says, I'm in my 40s, celiac with alternating IBS. Now, I do eat well, I exercise daily and I work full time, but I'm feeling really fatigued too often. I don't seem to get any value from my sleep. Uh, Could Annalise make any suggestions for something that could help with energy levels? Okay, so there could be any number of reasons for the the tiredness and fatigue, but the one that jumped out at me there, Patricia, is celiac. So with celiac disease, what can happen is that the little tiny villi, which are finger-like projections in our intestine that are providing a huge surface area for absorption of our nutrients, they become damaged. So you're not as efficient as absorbing, basically, if you're a celiac, uh, which is why most celiacs would be very prone to osteoporosis and being low in iron. So it's very possible that um, Tara isn't maybe absorbing the good from her food. So what I'd suggest to give herself a good boost, firstly, is the source of life gold uh, in liquid form because that's a great tonic with some ginseng in there for an immediate energy boost. And it's great for your immune system. It's great for everything else. Um, And then after that, I would recommend that she take a digestive enzyme with her food just to help break it down a little bit better to make the nutrients a little bit more available for absorption. And if it's a long-term ongoing thing, Oxylent, O-X-Y-L-E-N-T, it is um, a multivitamin in kind of sachet form. And the prenatal one is very good for non-constipating iron. And that's a great one for celiacs because often iron absorption is the problem. And feeling tired would be a, a big 
side effect of being low in iron, you'd be very fatigued, dizzy at times, feeling of heaviness in your legs as well, sometimes restless legs. These would all be symptoms of iron deficiency. So source of life goal to begin with to give her a bit of a boost. And if she wanted to get her iron checked before taking an iron supplement, do so. But I think that would sort her out as a good, decent iron supplement. Okay, and I'm wondering, is it similar advice from Mary who says, I'm in bed on a six cert, have been for the last week. I work as a primary school uh, teacher, but I'm feeling really run down and tired. Now, unfortunately, I can't get my bloods done at the doctor because of what's happening with the HSE and the cyber uh, attack. I'm hoping it's not glandular fever because I had glandular fever about two years ago. Would Annalise have any food tips to help improve my energy, please? And any supplements that she would recommend? I'm currently taking a multivitamin. Okay, so in terms of food, again, I suppose looking at the main ones that are responsible for energy are your B vitamins, and you get these in um, green leafy vegetables and whole grains. So you need to have whole grain oats and whole grain bread, um, brown rice. So that's a very good um, source of all your B vitamins. And then good... um, portion of liver would be great for iron and for vitamin B12 and these two are really important to build our blood and if our blood isn't being built properly that's how we get fatigued it's, it's anemia effectively is what the name is the medical name for that so I, I would often recommend that people if, especially if they can't get their bloods checked and they don't want to take a supplement eat a portion of liver every week and maybe eat red meat three times a week just to build up your iron stores we also get iron in the green leafy vegetables, but it's not as easy to absorb as the iron from, from meat. So especially for celiacs or people with digestive issues, you get better iron from and B12 from meat. So the source of life gold, again, is a great tonic. And even if it is glandular fever, which is a, is a viral infection, the source of life gold is very good just to give you a bit of a boost. And the other thing, if she does feel that possibly it is a little bit viral, and if maybe she's worried it's glandular fever again, I'm a big fan of the olive leaf extract, which is a very potent natural antiviral. Uh, So she could take that. And I always get a great boost from the olive leaf extract. I always feel really, like, vital. You know, I have great vitality when I take that. So the source of life gold and the um, the, um, olive leaf extract together. Okay, Molly says, uh, Hi Patricia, I'm a 43-year-old female recently diagnosed with osteoarthritis. I have lumps on my knuckles. I don't want to go down the road of anti-inflammatories. What would Annalise suggest? Okay, so osteoarthritis um, is where the bone is also affected as well as the cartilage of the joint. Um, So a couple of supplements would be very good here. Now, when people are in pain or if there's a lot of swelling, I always would suggest they start off on a natural anti-inflammatory first because there's no point taking something to rebuild bone and joints if there's a lot of inflammation. So um, natural anti-inflammatories would be things like turmeric extract and um, boswellia, which comes from frankincense. They're both very, very powerful and potent natural anti-inflammatories. Salgar 7, which has been really difficult to get of late because of Brexit, that was a great supplement because it combined some cartilage with those natural anti-inflammatories. But I found a lovely alternative by an Irish company called GAL, G-A-L, Vitamins. And I'm getting excellent feedback on this. So it is a combination of cartilage and turmeric extract as the anti-inflammatory. And it's literally called, I think it's called uh, UC2 cartilage. So that's the, the name of the supplement by GAL Vitamins. The other lovely one for osteoarthritis as well is the Revive, again, a nice Irish company, Joint Complex. And why I like that so much for osteoarthritis is because it has stuff in there for your bones. So there's got boron, 
vitamin D um, as well. It's got um, uh, manganese, it's got vitamin C and vitamin K2 as well, which is really important for bone formation. So you get all the bone stuff in there, plus some lovely collagen and glucosamine for building the cartilage of the joints. So that's an excellent one for osteoarthritis. And then for ordinary arthritis, I would recommend the other one, the gal vitamin UC2 cartilage. Okay, you've been talking about source of life gold. Um, Joan says uh, when you meant when you talk about source of life gold, you mentioned the liquid form. But Joan is on the tablet form. Are the tablets as good as the liquid? And Joan says, like when the previous uh, textures, I'm also celiac, so therefore low in iron. Okay, so I think personally, I really do believe the liquid is better because I think it, um, you know, does it just. I suppose it's very easy to assimilate, Patricia. Your body doesn't have to do any work because it's already in vitamin. It's, it's already in liquid form. Also, sometimes with celiac, because your absorption isn't good and your digestion mightn't be the best, tablets sometimes take a while to break down and you mightn't be getting the good out of them. Now, both the tablets and the bottle, the, the, the liquid, they both say guaranteed burst of energy. So they both, both claim that they give you that immediate energy boost. But in my own experience, the, um, the, there is definitely a, a, a bit of a better result with the liquid but the tablets are still excellent so finish those off and if you want to repeat them get the liquid the next time Hi uh, somebody signed Desperate Lady I suffer from psoriasis any advice please God it's such an awful condition isn't it? It, it is Patricia and I think I've been seeing an awful lot of um, psoriasis flares this year and I think it's all stress related so psoriasis is a difficult one because it involves the skin but also the immune system. And in my experience, a lot of people who suffer from psoriasis have gut issues as well. So trying to get to the bottom of psoriasis can be a little bit complex. But on the most basic, what I would recommend is a very good quality omega-3 supplement. So it needs to be fish oils, not the vegetarian version. It needs to be the fish oil supplement. Um, and that works as a very powerful natural anti-inflammatory, but it also helps to m- modulate the immune system. And where the immune system is involved with psoriasis is that it seems to be instructing layers of cells to divide and replicate much faster than they normally should, which is what creates those kind of itchy, scaly plaques that you get with psoriasis. So modulating the immune system is very, very important. And the omega-3 fats are brilliant for that, but they're also great for skin health. So start those. You You won't see any really good results from those for at least 8 to 12 weeks so you need to start them immediately and then two other supplements that I could highly recommend one is one that you take it's by Viridian and it's called Oregon Grape Root Extract so it's from the root of the Oregon Grape Tree O-R-E-G-O-N and they also do a balm that you can rub onto the psoriasis which is very soothing and I get excellent feedback on that so a combination of fish oils the Oregon Grape Root Balm tablets and the ointment that you put on and you should hopefully see a difference in four to six weeks. Mary, by WhatsApp, I'm in a bad flare-up of lupus. Is there anything I can take? Okay, so lupus again is another autoimmune disease, Patricia, where um, the immune system is attacking itself and in in the case with lupus, you get a lot of skin issues and you get a lot, you can get a lot of um, calcification of soft tissue so you can get damage in the lungs um, and you can get damage with the skin. One of the big things with lupus is to stay out of the sun. That's a hugely important thing because the UV light seems to exacerbate the symptoms. So again, it, it, 
with any autoimmune disease, it's about managing the immune system as well as the symptoms of the illness. So I would definitely recommend powerful natural anti-inflammatories. I'm getting very good feedback on one by Nutri-Advanced. Now, Nutri-Advanced is a practitioner supplement, but they do have a website um, in Ireland. And also, I sell quite a lot of their products here in the shop because they're excellent. And I'm getting very good feedback as an anti-inflammatory on their... Um, it's called Curcudine, C-U-R-C-U-D-Y-N, Forte. And it's a combination of four natural anti-inflammatories, and I'm getting excellent um, feedback very quickly on it for people. So I would take that, and I would also take fish oils, very high strength. So you're looking to get at least 2,000 milligrams of the fish oils into your system every day. And my own favorites are the Unocardio capsules. You'd need to take two of those. And the other thing, again, that company I was talking about earlier, Gal Vitamins, the Irish company, they do a really nice salmon oil, which is excellent, and it's very, very good value and very, very high strength. So you could get the Gal Vitamin salmon oil, and you'd need to take one tablespoon of that every day. Okay, here's somebody who's in a lot of pain at the moment. Hi, Annalise. Any good pain relief for a fractured vertebrae? I've tried everything. I'm on pain patches, but to be honest, I find them useless. Very, very painful. Yeah, there's nothing, unfortunately, natural for pain. Now, there's stuff to help heal the bone. And the one thing even um, that gets recommended in the hospital if you've broken a bone is high-dose vitamin C. Uh, Vitamin C is very important for the collagen matrix that bone is laid down upon. So it helps the bone heal in its nice elastic form and non-brittle. Also, Dr. Dealish does a bone tea, which is really good for helping the bone knit itself together. But that's more of a long-term approach. When I broke my wrist, Patricia, I was in London doing an acupuncture course and uh, these men fell on top of me on an escalator in the tube station. I broke my wrist. So the following morning, I got acupuncture on the opposite wrist. Now, it was excruciatingly painful. He needled the bone, but the pain disappeared and I suffered no pain from that time. So if you could find yourself a good acupuncturist, um, they will they will needle the area, which will be excruciatingly painful. But then that's whatever it kicks in. Then you have no more pain after that. Okay, and the vertebrae just has to heal, isn't it? I mean, that's all it you can do. It takes time, and you see, the vertebrae yeah. is a hard one to heal as well. Um, it's you know, it's a difficult one because it's mm. constantly in use, so you can't rest it up. Yeah. So um, I would definitely recommend okay. the Dr. Dealish Clare Bone Tea for that. If you, you can ring the shop, we can post it out if you can't get it online. But I took that and my cast came off after three weeks. Well done. Well done. Hi, Annalise. I take uh, a vitamin D, a 1000 IU tablet daily and omega-3 fish oils. I've, now, I've been diagnosed with high cholesterol. What would you suggest I take? And can I continue taking the tablets uh, with whatever you suggest for high cholesterol? Yes. So I think absolutely. Now, the fish oils are very good for helping with your good cholesterol, but they, they're not always very successful at bringing down bad cholesterol. And I don't know how high the cholesterol is. Uh, what I recommend and get almost universally feedback, good feedback on is the unocardio. So it's the extract of red rice yeast, and it does exactly the same job as the drug does, the statin drug, but it doesn't have the same negative side effects. So I have lots of people who were unable to take a statin because of the pain and the side effects they suffered, and they get on great with this, and it works brilliantly, and it's really good value. Um, So if you can get your hands on the cardio K, it's brilliant, but there are other ones that would make good alternatives, and they're coming from red rice yeast. So if you ask for red rice yeast in your local pharmacy, they will give you the right product. 
when you have osteoporosis, is magnesium 365 good or is the joint complex better? Um, so magnesium, I worry about high doses of magnesium, Patricia, because magnesium and calcium compete for absorption. So if you've osteoporosis, taking a very high dose of magnesium without calcium is not a good idea because it might make it a little more difficult for your body to absorb calcium from your diet. Now, the MAG365 do a bone formula. So if you take that one instead, it's better formulated in the right um, ratio for bones. Um, the joint complex is more for the cartilage of, of joints. So if it's osteoporosis, you definitely need something with a little bit of calcium and magne- a little bit of calcium, a small bit of magnesium. You need ideally boron, vitamin D, and vitamin K two is very important as well to help you get the calcium onto the bone. So I'd go more for a specific bone supplement. And the one that we always get excellent feedback on here is the Nature's Plus uh, bone support, and it has the calcium in that is in the form of Algecal, which is calcium that comes from algae. And it's in all the new studies, it's been showing that it's the best in terms of helping to reverse osteoporosis and osteopenia. Yeah, because Dennis is saying, what do you take to replace cartilage in my knee? So cartilage, they, um, yes, exactly, is, the, is, is what kind of cushions the, the bones from each other in the knee. So rebuilding cartilage, there's a number of ones that will help. The old favourite is glucosamine sulfate, which is a, an essential component of cartilage. But the problem is, is that it takes a long time for that to build up. So you might might be six months before you'd notice any benefit. So uh, the, uh, the gal vitamin UC cartilage complex, that's excellent. It's very, very good. It's got cartilage in there, plus the anti-inflammatory. You could take a collagen supplement. Nature's Plus do a lovely one. Um, that has a number of different types of collagen in there, but it also has eggshell membrane. You know, when you peel off um, from a boiled egg, you get that kind of skin, Patricia, on an egg. That's really mm-hmm. amazing in terms of joint support. I don't know if there's something specific in it that you know stimulates growth of the cells in the joint, but a lot of new research on that is proving that it's really good for um, helping people rebuild joints with arthritis. So it's the Nature's Plus Collagen, or I'd go for the UC two cartilage complex by Gal Nutrition. Okay, are bananas good for constipation? A listener wants to know. It depends on the individual, I suppose, really, Patricia. A lot of people would say that they constipate them. They're quite high in sugar, um, so I'm not sure. It's not the first one, I would say. I think the best fruits for constipation are the pears are excellent because they're full of soluble fibre. So um, you could stew a whole load of pears you know and put it onto your porridge in the morning or you could eat a couple of pears they're nice this time of the year now they're starting to come back into season the other thing that's great as well is kiwis so have two kiwis in the morning they're brilliant because they're full of uh, papain which is a natural digestive enzyme and then the last fruit which is really hard to get your hands on but you might get the juice somewhere is papaya and that is one of the best ones for relieving constipation. Um, and there is a nice natural supplement called Aloe Complex, which is a combination of um, prune um, extract, a little bit of magnesium, some aloe vera juice. And I think there is, um, yeah, I think that's it. Magnesium, aloe vera. Yeah. And uh, that's a great one. Very gentle. So, you're, you know, it's not one that's going to make you have an urgent need to go to the toilet. And to finish off, can you repeat the name of the anti-inflammatory for uh, osteoarthritis as a band to your listener? So the two ones I think I mentioned was the Revive Active, which is the one for osteoarthritis because it has the bone and it has the um, 
cartilage stuff, uh, repair stuff in there. So that's the revived joint complex. And the other one with the anti-inflammatory in there is GAL vitamins, G-A-L vitamins, and it's UC2 cartilage complex. Okay, and you'll put that all up online this afternoon? I'll put them all up on the Facebook page and and I'll put the products into the website as well so if people want to buy them there, they can. Okay, thehealthhubstore.com. Annalise, pleasure as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for that and thanks uh, for joining us. And that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to uh, John Paul and McNamara for producing and for Ken um, Parrish on sound. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 on to the line. Patricia Messenger, very good afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.